What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the Joseph Board Podcast and the JV Podcast Network. Just a quick reminder, wherever you may be listening, Apple, Spotify, or YouTube, please rate five stars, leave a friendly review, subscribe, and turn those notifications on so you never miss an episode. Interviews like this one coming your way every single Monday and the Weekend 12-Pack with Uncle Micah, your degenerate gambling advice from non-degenerate gamblers coming your way every single Friday. On this episode, 16 Sundays in Hell, Browns and Bengals recap. Then my interview, my really fun sit down with my good friend Ricky Cornish. He's a real journalist. He schools me on how to be a real journalist. Uh, was just named uh, Cronkite's most outstanding undergrad student. Congratulations to Ricky. Really enjoyed that sit down. He's graduating this semester. Lots of great things coming for him in the future. And that's what we have on today's episode, it's a really long interview, so I, I um, want to get pretty much right to it. So enjoy that, all of that coming up. But first, enjoy this nice, smooth jazz. All right, 16 Sundays in hell, Browns and the Northern Kentucky Bengals. Browns won it 27 to 19. That improves. SJ Swagger Jr., the new Browns mascot, his record is now 4-0. The vertical stripes are now 4-0. And let's go over my picks real quick. Missed on Tennessee, hit on the Jets and Rams, missed on the Ravens and Niners, hit on the Seahawks, hit on the Patriots, missed on the Broncos. And then I've been hot lately, hit on the Steelers, hit on the Dolphins, hit on the Steelers again, and hit on the Bengals. That puts me at a very respectable, a very good a um, what I wish the Browns actually were nine and four, while our Cleveland Browns, my Cleveland Browns, are six and seven on the year. A little Odell Beckham Jr. news that came out that apparently he's been battling a sports hernia all year. You know, we heard about the groin and hip and things like that through training camp where he missed a lot of time. Apparently, he's been battling a sports hernia all year and it will require surgery this offseason. And then we heard from Jay Glazer, who is on the inside, who knows everybody, who was one of the first people to report that uh, Odell Beckham Jr. was being traded from the Giants to Cleveland, came out and said that uh, throughout the year, Odell Beckham Jr., before games, has been talking to players and coaches from opposing teams like, hey, come get me, come get me. And apparently he wants out of Cleveland, and maybe we I've talked about it all year. It seems like after every game, because of the way the game is gone, and with his involve, involvement in the offense, I'm just like, this is the game Odell Beckham Jr. blows up and calls out Baker, calls out Freddie, calls out the play calling, and it hasn't happened. You know, is does he really want to be in Cleveland? Does being around Jarvis Landry and his old receiver coach from LSU, do all those things help? I'm sure that they do. Or is it more so that, hey, I don't want to blow up. I want to be viewed as more tradable so I can end up in a position and a location in a situation that I find more desirable than my last two. So it makes you think. Um, one of the only good things about Browns games is that anytime I watch sports, when it's Cleveland sports and I'm really into the game and it's one of my teams, some people have nervous ticks. I have one. We all have them. Some people eat. Some people... Uh, chew on their nails. They fidget with things. My thing is I drink water and I drink a ton of it. That's like the best like nervous tick like thing that anyone can do because it's super healthy 
and it's great. You really can't, it's like almost impossible to drink too much water. So I kind of love Sundays, even though they kind of make me mad a lot of the times and we lose more times than we win, as we've seen this season and pretty much every season ever, at least the ones that I've been alive for. But you know what? I'm always super hydrated and I always feel pretty good after. So that's uh, that's great. Hopefully that keeps up. Um, coming out, I was worried, you know, will the Browns have any sense of urgency? Will they play with any energy today? And it was that way for a little bit, especially in the first half. The Browns, on their opening drive, they put together a really good drive. Najoku got the ball stripped. It was called a fumble on the field. Then it was called an, an, an interception. I really don't know how it was an interception. I don't know how it was a fumble. He caught the ball. He came down with it. He was touched down. And then the ball got stripped. And even after review, it was ruled an interception and a turnover. I'm not really sure. But all I know is Steven Carlson would never. Which makes me think and which makes me go back. I blame, the, I blame, the, I blame my friend the snowman for this because last week, or he gave me a text today and he said, I feel like being on the horn for games has been bad luck. I don't think it matters anymore. But but I don't think it matters anymore. I was like, it's definitely been bad luck. He goes, yes. Yeah, so if you want to try it again, I don't care. I said, I tried to shut it down last week, which I did when the Browns lost to the Steelers. I tried to shut it down last week and we all know how that went. If you call me during the game, I'm throwing my phone in the pool. He says, ha ha, deal. So um, I texted him. Just a little joke after Baker ran on third and two, a little scramble for a first down. And I was just like, do we start talking about Baker? There's a legitimate dual threat here. Incredible third and two conversion. He goes, I'm about to call you. I go, this is scarier than Hill House, which stay tuned. You'll find out what that is. It's my recommendation of the week. Little tease there. And he goes, Christ, what just happened? This was right after the Najoku interception. He goes, I said I'm going to call you and that happened. So blame the snowman for that interception early or just blame Najoku and blame his weak wrist as he comes back in his first game back. But the football gods make up for it. A pass gets tipped right into the hands of Denzel Ward and he runs it back for a pick six. The Ward and Denzel Ward out of Ohio State scores it for the Browns' his first career Pick six, it's seven to three, Cleveland early. Um, Cincinnati, they put together some chunk plays, you know, with running and passing. They got the ball to Boyd. But Cleveland, especially early on, they forced field goals throughout this game. They really tightened up in the red zone, and it kind of makes sense. I don't know if I want to say that our defense really, really tightened up and made some plays, and they did, but Cincinnati is just bad, especially, especially in the red zone. Uh, Baker. Another interception, he had Hodge. It was a really similar route and concept to the end of that Pittsburgh game where, you know, he threw the ball one way, the receiver cut in the other way, or just, you know, an in inaccurate pass. Of course, it gets tipped and it gets intercepted. And unfortunately, it's been the same story all year. Baker just a little bit off. The, the quarterback wide receiver, you know, combination, whoever it may be, it's been, you know, someone different every year. We've seen it with Callaway when he was on the team. We saw it with Hodge today. We've seen it with Landry. We've seen it with Beckham. Uh, they're just a little bit out of sync, and it's just been a little bit off, and that's all you need sometimes. It's it can be a game of game of inches. You know, you talk about it with you know trying to convert first downs and things like that, but um, or getting into the end zone or whatever it may be. And sometimes it's just where the ball is, or it's a field goal. It really is a game of inches in all um, all facets. So a little bit off, and it leads into turnovers. The Browns two offensive drives, and they uh, two Cleveland turnovers. Oh, and Nick Chubb. The leading rusher said no success running the ball early on. Cincinnati has the worst rush defense in the entire league. Uh, the Browns, 
Cincinnati, I think, ended up being worse than penalties today. They definitely were. But you know what? It's just, it's like the Browns got some coaches. Like, they rounded up some guys. Like, they saw some guys on the street, and they're like, hey, man, uh, you want to make 100 bucks this summer, coach uh, Coach the Browns? Like, yeah, I played some I played some JV ball in my day because there's just, like, dumb stuff that is happening. Like, and, you know, maybe a lot of this is on the players. I shouldn't maybe shouldn't be blaming the coaches here. But just, like, encroachment, 12 men on the field, false starts. False starts at home drive me nuts because the crowd noise isn't a factor. Illegal shifts, guys, not having a sense of urgency. Landry at one point today was in motion and just never got set. And I don't know how much of that's on Landry or Baker, you know, having to give him time to be set, but I don't know. Bengals, they convert. Long story short, Bengals convert with the touchdown off the turnover, made it look really easy. 13 to 7, Northern Kentucky. The Fighting Skyline Chilies had the lead early in this game. The Browns put together a really good drive following things up. They converted a long third 19. The Browns pretty good on third down today. Odell Beckham Jr. had a chunk play, and Baker. Taking matters into his own hands, he's like, okay, Fredward, Freddie Buttermilkshake, you're not, not going to give the ball to Nick Chubb, who's leading the league in rushing, or Kareem Hunt, who led the league in rushing two years ago. I'm just going to do it myself. Baker on third and goal. Legit dual threat. I said it earlier in the game. I texted the snowman about it. Baker Mayfield looking like Lamar Jackson out there, diving for the pylon, gets into the end zone. And it was funny because they were talking about Baker. You know, Baker Mayfield's an athlete out there. I'm like, okay. Easy, guys. Yes, he is an athlete, but, you know, so are NASCAR drivers, apparently. So cal calm down. Baker's, Baker's still a fat guy in our eyes who can move a little bit and sling it. 14-13 Cleveland. The Browns, they force three and out. A bad punt. They get the ball in Cincinnati territory. I, because I know the Cleveland Browns, especially particularly this year's Cleveland Browns, so, oh, so well. I started laughing because I was like, probably what's going to happen here? The Browns are going to gain about two yards with Nick Chubb. They're going to try to throw the ball down the field, take a shot or something like that, and they're going to have to punt. That is exactly what happens. You know, I don't mind it too much. They come out right away, a little play action. Maybe I would have ran the ball first. Maybe you do it on the first play. I don't know. I'm not a football guy. I'm not a guru. I'm certainly not a coach. They come right out, play action. They're looking to throw the ball downfield. They're looking to take a deep shot, five-yard sack. Incomplete pass, third and 15. Another incomplete pass, three and out. I just hate that when the defense does a nice job. They're, they've been, they, the, the defense spent a good amount of time on the field because Cincinnati was able to put together a couple of nice drives and the pick six. So they're out there on defense. They get the turnover and the score. Then they're right back out there on defense. You know, chew up some clock here. Give your defense some rest. They just do a nice job for you. Special teams goes your way with the bad punt. You have the ball. You're starting with the ball in Cincinnati territory. You're on the right side of the 50. And all you have to show for it is two incompletions and negative five yards. I just... It's disgusting. It's putrid. It's terrible. It's asinine. It's appalling. It is repulsive. Like I said earlier, Cincinnati is the last, the last ranked rush defense. Nick Chubb is ranked first in rushing yards. It's ridiculous. And at that time, it was the end of the first half. It was the, ended up being the Browns' second to last drive. At the time, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt combined for four carries. 
Baker Mayfield, who was dealing with a little hand injury, a little rib injury, who at times looks like he moves and just his look, he's much more of a NASCAR driver than maybe a quarterback, was the leading rusher. Inexcusable, revolting, horrid, ghastly. All of those things, all of those adjectives, all of that, all of it, but shocking. Not shocking at all. Not even a little bit. This team has zero identity. A lot of the guys on the team, especially Freddie Kitchens, Freddie Butter Milkshake, Freddie Denny's, zero self-awareness. And a lot of times appears zero intelligence. The whole first half, um, the commentators kept mentioning the Browns in the playoffs. It's like they were taunting me. Like, why are you talking about the Browns possibly getting into the playoffs? And Cincinnati being in a spot to play spoiler. Listen, newsflash. We're not going to the playoffs. We're terrible. We blew our shot when we lost to Duck. And no disrespect to Duck. I think Duck is great. He won again today. Pittsburgh and Mike Tomlin have been extremely impressive. We're terrible. We're not going to the playoffs. 14-13 Cleveland at the half. Quarter number three. The Browns get the ball coming out of the locker room. Are they going to have any energy? Are they going to run the ball? They did run the ball. Four rushes. They have a first down. They Three rushes, first down. The fourth rush, a big 50-plus yard run by Nick Chubb. Big chunk plates first and goal. What do the Browns do? It's like Freddie Kitchens. It's like passing. Throwing the ball in dumb situations is like Freddie Kitchens, Freddie Kitchens heroin. Like, he can give it up for a little bit, but he's like, he's like itching his neck and... You know, he's getting cold sweats and he's getting achy and he's getting stiff. He's like, I got to pass the ball, man. I got to get some more of that stuff, man. I got to get some more of that good stuff. And then he just throws the ball. So after those four rushes and the Browns rush it, they, they punch it, you know, 70-plus yards on the ground, two first downs, 150-yard-plus play. They get all the way down there first and goal. And what do they do? They come out empty and throw a goal-line fade to David Njoku. What in the hell is going on? What is going through your head? Why would you change it? If it ain't, maybe I'm crazy to say it ain't broke, don't fix it. Maybe I'm so barbaric and caveman-like, even though Freddie Kitchen, Freddie Kitchens looks much more like a caveman than I think like a caveman. But I mean, why wouldn't you run the ball? Just if they can't stop it, just just keep punching it in there. And you know what? Next play. Thank goodness it didn't result in a turnover or a stupid penalty. Whatever. They came to their senses. Kareem Hunt runs it in for a touchdown. 21-13 Cleveland. My blood was nearly boiling. Cincinnati, once again, puts together a long drive. Browns tighten up. They only give up a field goal, 21-16 Cleveland. Cleveland follows that up with a ground attack and answers Cincinnati's three with the three of their own. Underrated kick here by Austin Seibert. The wind is so tricky up there at the stadium on the lake, and it was it was crazy today. The wind was. It truly was. You saw it with the kicks. They talked about it in the broadcast. And a 52-yard, it was either 50, I think it was 53 for Austin Seibert, the rookie kicker. Hasn't missed one inside of 40 this year. Struggled outside of that range. But you know what? He nailed the kick. He played the wind very well today. You could tell he got there early. He was probably up there kicking in the stadium throughout the week. And it truly an incredible kick and made it look routine. 24-16 to 16, Cleveland. Always Got to show love for those special teamers. Kickers and punters are people too. 
Cincinnati comes out, another long, sustainable Cincinnati drive. 16 plays, they get it to fourth and down at fourth and goal. And how about that? The Cleveland Browns get a stop when they needed it. It's 24 to 16. Browns have the, excuse me, goodness, I just ate and I'm burping here. 24 to 16, seven minutes left. I'm like, okay, stay with the run and put the game away. They can't, they cannot stop you. They can't stop Nick Chubb. They can't stop Kareem Hunt. Nope. Take a deep shot to Landry on a little play action. And I don't like this. It was called a it was called an incompletion on the field. And then Freddie threw through just what was a horrible challenge. I know you're up eight here and you're in control and it's Cincinnati, but it's an eight-point game. What happens if what happens if Cincinnati gets a turnover, which they did, but we got bailed out. I'm gonna get to that in a second. And they go down and score and get the two-point conversion. And then, you know, there's less than two minutes to go. You don't have a two-minute warning. And you're down a timeout. It was clearly Landry did a great job getting there, making the catch, but he was bobbling it as he went out of bounds. It was just a horrible, horrible challenge. And and honestly, if you just dump it off to Kareem Hunt, who was open, who was the first guy open short there, he's going to stay in bounds. He's probably going to make a guy miss. You probably get, you get some positive yards there at least, if not a first down. Who knows what he does with it. And then Baker, on the very next play, forces one to OBJ. It gets tipped and it gets intercepted. Luckily, it was reviewed and it was found that, and I don't know if this should have been, this was a tough review. Some things have been going Cleveland's way that maybe shouldn't have uh, these last few weeks. But luckily it got overturned. It was found that there was defensive pass interference. Cleveland gets bailed out. And then later in the drive, it's fourth and four. Tiki Barber, who was on the call, I think it was, yeah, I think it was Tiki Barber. Um, Baker Mayfield was still out there on the field. It looked like maybe, just maybe from afar, the Browns were going to go for it, but they showed there was this shot of Freddie standing down by the ref, just waiting for the clock to run down so they could take time out, so they could run as much time off the, uh, off the clock as possible. And there's that shot, and he goes, oh, hold on, folks. I know it looks like Freddie Kitchens may want to go for it here. He is a rookie coach, but he's not a dumb coach. And I feel like in living rooms all across Cleveland and Northeast Ohio and, and all Browns fans watching everywhere, when he said he's a rookie coach, not a dumb coach, I feel like a lot of us, me included, were like, eh, you know, I, I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe it would have been better not to say he's a rookie coach, not a dumb coach. Maybe it would have been better to say he's a rookie coach. He's not smoking crack, though. I think that would have been much better, much more accurate because... I think Freddie Kitchens has proved, yes, you are extremely, that is extremely accurate. He is a rookie head coach, but he also kind of is a dumb coach. He definitely is a dumb coach. Freddie Butter Milkshake. Um, Cincinnati, so happy. They covered. The Browns won the game by eight. I had him at plus eight and a half. Cincinnati at plus eight and a half. So fired up since he covered 27-19 Cleveland. That's a final. Next week, Cleveland travels out my way. I will be at the game they're going to beat Arizona. Pittsburgh handled them today. I'm looking forward to it. My Brownie's coming to visit me. I'm going to get to see him in person. I'm really excited to go to the game. Was hoping they would have beat Pittsburgh. It would have been a little bit bigger of a game because the Browns, you know, they're still technically in the hunt. They're not eliminated yet, but they really would have been in the hunt if they would have beaten Pittsburgh. Um, but that's the reality. I'm excited to see them either way, unless they lose, and I'm going to be really, really mad. I have a 6 a.m. flight the next day. That 6 a.m. flight is going to be bad. I am going to be pissed off and cranky 
if the Browns lose to a 3-9-1 and nine and one or whatever the Cardinals are. So looking forward to that. Um, yeah, it is going to be great. So let's go. Um, that's 16 Sundays in hell. Sunday number 13 of 16. Let's talk to Ricky Cornish. All right, so Ricky, I better get your last. I always, I know Cornish. Yes. Yes, I nailed it. it. <laughs> Ricky Cornish in studio. You know, one thing that I've always loved about your name is when I see you, you are, I've never met someone who is more of a Ricky than you. <laughs> I've, I've tried to close my eyes and picture you and say Rick or Richard, oh, and yeah. it just doesn't happen. Has anyone in your entire life ever not called you Ricky? You know, it's funny. So my mom sometimes calls me Rick, but really, it, yeah. What are you like a 45 year old band director? Okay. Or that's something? what I'm saying. When, so actually when I decided to pursue media as yeah. a career, uh-huh. my uncle is actually a radio host in cool. Connecticut and he was like, Ricky, you should drop the Y. It sounds, cause I've been going by Ricky ever since I was, you know, a baby, like yeah. since the womb. And my uncle was like, no, you should drop it. Kind of change it up a little bit. And I just remember thinking to myself, no. Yeah. You know, I am such a Ricky. And plus, since my last name starts with a C, yeah. it would be Rick Cornish. And I feel yeah. like it's just like too, you yeah. know, yes. you're like choking up on it a little yeah. bit. Um, so no, Ricky Cornish. I think it flows. And I'm proud to be a Ricky. I, yes. I wouldn't go by anything else. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, because we have to make, we as, well, you're the real journalist. I'm just a business <laughs> major who talks to drunk people on YouTube <laughs> with the podcast. No, I love it though. <laughs> but we have to make a decision. Like, I've been Joey my entire life. But okay. I decided when I came to school and I started doing stuff, I'm like, I'm just going to go by Joseph. It's different. Like everyone I know, I know a ton of Joeys and everyone, some people go by Joe. That's kind of, I feel like that's kind of like an older guy thing. But everyone that I know goes by Joey and I'm like, I'm just going to go by Joseph just for the sake of, it's kind of like an icebreaker, kind of like a conversation starter. Like, right. oh, you go by Joseph? Like, is, is everyone always called you Joseph? Does everyone call you Joseph? So yeah, you kind of have to like make a decision and you kind of like play into that. Like Ricky, right. Joseph, you just, you have to make that choice. So do your family and friends call you Joey? Yeah. They do. Cause when you texted me today and you said it's Joey, I was like, yeah. I did not. Yeah. I'm like, who's that? <laughs> See, I, I've totally like my freshman year when I introduced myself as Joseph, you know, that's just kind of what I did. And then people would like, you know, it makes sense. But in my mind, everyone's always called me Joey. So when people say, when the, when I hear someone call me Joseph out loud, I'm just like, I feel like they're being so formal. I'm like, wait, yes. no, that's what I told them. Like, that's what they, they think that they'll upset me. You know, they just met me and they'll think that they'll upset me if they don't call me Joseph. I mean, in reality, I don't care, but I get it. I mean, obviously I introduced myself as Joseph. They're going to call me Joseph, but sometimes I'm still like, yeah, that who, oh, we waiting on Joseph? Like, is he yeah. coming later? He oh, coming? Like, oh, wait, it's I don't me. know him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's me. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. We have de- definitely very cool names, which yeah. I like. But we've branded them. We've made them our own. And Branding. that's what's the most important, right? 100%. Absolutely. So I want to start with this. You grew up. You're from Vegas. Yes, sir. So what is that like? Because obviously being out here in Arizona, I've made my fair trip, fair share of Vegas trips, whether it's been for pleasure and work. And those always overlap. You can't go you to. to Vegas without some sort of, some, some, some sort of fun in there. So what was that like growing up there? It was, I get this question all the time, Yeah, you know, especially oh, yeah. being an out of state kid and mm-hmm. living in Arizona now. 
I have to say, every time someone asks me that question, I say it's just like a normal upbringing. You really? Know? Well, at least in my case, because I was raised in a suburb 20 minutes outside okay. of like, the actual strip. So yep. 20 minutes west, and I'm like right by the mountains. Okay. And it was just your normal upbringing. Mm-hmm. I just went to school. Um, especially in Vegas, it's such a 21 and up town. Oh, um, yeah. And, you know, I was never that kid who had a fake. I was never that I kid. imagine those don't work there. Well, you know what's so funny? Okay, what? I probably shouldn't say this, but my brother got But you fake. should. Yeah, but I should. <laughs> I'll, I'll drop it on the Joseph Vore podcast. Yes, exclusive right here. Uh, exclusive right here. My younger brother got a fake, and he got it, oh, I think like his junior to senior year of uh-huh. high school, and he just came back for Thanksgiving to visit my parents. Okay. He goes to Boise State University. Nice. And he used his fake at a bar slash cocktail garden. It's called the Vanderpump Cocktail Garden. Okay. It's at Caesars. Cool. And he used his fake there, and you would think of all all places fake would be busted there's yep. no way it worked really yeah it worked he got rose <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was like what that's such a baller move like yeah i got yeah. him with my fake i'm like 19 and a half and i got rose literally he got rose that's hardcore right I there i couldn't believe it he sent me a photo of it he's like he was texting me. he's like yeah it worked my mom couldn't believe it so for me i was such a goody two-shoes like yep. i didn't get a fake I didn't try and sneak into bars or sneak into clubs when I was young. I didn't do any of that stuff. Yeah. So before I was 21, I would even say like before high school, it was pretty boring. Yeah. I mean, you really, you would just go to the movie theater, you would go play bowling, you would yep. hike. I mean, like typical, like anywhere you could see that kind of stuff. Right. Um, but for me, what switched is when I was in high school, I completely fell in love with music. It yeah. became like my passion and I can't play, I can't sing, like nothing <laughs> like that. But I love listening to it and I love hearing the stories behind the artists and mm-hmm. what it took for them to get to where they are um so i started going to a ton of concerts and then you really see the entertainment aspect of what vegas has to offer with right. the shows and the residencies and all that good stuff so that's really what kind of made me fall in love with it and i just turned 21 a month ago and i had happy birthday na- thank you so You're much welcome. and i have not been to vegas since that was gonna be my birthday. question have you been you're from vegas now you're 21 yeah. for a month but you haven't been. So are you waiting? Is like Christmas break going to be the time? That's a big time. Like around New Year's, that's the time in Vegas, right? Yeah, that's the time. I'm thinking I definitely have to go out and do something for yeah. New Year's. The only thing that kind of is weird in my situation, I guess, is I'm kind of old for my grade, you could say. Okay. A lot of my friends that I have back home are not 21 yet. But oh. I definitely have a couple friends I'll be okay. able to make do. Okay. But um, it's not like I can bring my whole squad and we can like go to the Venetian yeah. and bar hop. Like we yeah. can't do any of that stuff yet but since i'm 21 now we're ringing in a new decade not just a new year but a new decade i mean it's a big deal so i definitely have to be in vegas for that and on the strip and doing it all up yeah i just had to know what it was like growing up in vegas because for the last two years i was in vegas the last two october so this year 2019 then 2018 i was in vegas for one work trip and one pleasure trip twice in three weeks the past two octobers and i remember just after this last one I literally had three straight weeks. First week, Vegas for work. I was there doing interviews on the Strip. And then the next week was fall break. I went to Park City, which was awesome. Then the next week, we had our fraternity formal in Vegas. And I'm like, Vegas, two years in a row, two times in three (laughs) weeks. I'm like, okay, this was great. Roulette kicked my ass. Um, (laughs) I'm not going to be back here for six months. Like, I just need some time. You need to take a break. I need to take a break. It's a lot to take in, especially... Was that... 
Last year, was that the first time you had ever been? No, the first okay. time I actually ever went to Vegas was around Thanksgiving time. I was in eighth grade. My parents have some, my dad travels a lot for work, so he accumulates like a lot of Hilton points or something. Nice. And they were either having a meeting or we got some sort of super discounted or free trip or something like that. And they were opening up a new property in Vegas. So we went, but I was in eighth grade and it was just cool to like walk around the strip. Mm -hmm. And then when I came back out here for school, my freshman year, I went again for the second time for fraternity formal. And those trips are actually fun when you're not 21 because, you know, if you bring a date or whether it's a friend or whoever it is and you're, you're with Obviously, there's a bunch of people who aren't 21 that go. Right. So you have enough people there to like make do. You walk around the strip, you get dressed up, you go to a nice dinner. Maybe you're able to uh, you know schmooze some drinks yes. at a restaurant. You don't play any. You don't play it. You don't try to get too slick with the clubs, and you yeah. bring stuff with you and you have fun. Yeah. Um, but the first time I went to Vegas as a 21 year old, yeah, we did it big. Okay. It was, so what did you do? What did so, you do? Okay. So I went in May. And I, I, I turned 21 this past March, so I didn't make it until May. But I went because, so working for the Daily Dropout with Big Dawes, he was having a kid in July. So he called this, what do you call it? Like his daddy moon? Yeah. Or, so, or no, oh, it, was his, it, was, it was his datchler. Datchler. Oh, That's what he called Dachler. it. So this was like his last blowout before he had a kid, right? right? So we went to Vegas and it was just strictly a pleasure trip. A bunch of his friends came, a bunch of guys from work went that I work with and do videos with. So we went, we stayed at the Mirage, you know, we brought suits, we got dressed up, we, we, uh, we left on a Friday morning. So we did gambling uh, when we got there, then we went out. We went to, oh, where was, what was the name of the club? It's at, I think it's at the Venetian. Oh, Tau? Tau, yes, yeah. that's what it is. So we went to Tau Nightclub, and then on Saturday, that's when his dad flew in. Like, oh, I'm telling you, like, everyone that, like, was friends was with him was there. Best trip ever. And we did we did um, a cabana at the Encore Beach Club, oh, nice. and David Guetta was, like, there. It was really, really cool. So much fun. And, like, just having the cabana in my first time there, I'm, like, <laughs> at Disneyland for the first time. My it eyes is. are real big. I'm, like, this is so cool. This is the other side now. Like, I feel like... I power like in a video game. I've like powered up to the next level. <laughs> yeah. It's like that. I have a special card, and it's a legit twenty-one-year-old ID. It's like oh, the yeah. most amazing thing ever. It's the coolest thing ever. That's what I'm looking most forward to as well as going to the yeah. nightclubs and the beach clubs. I mean, that is what yeah, it's all about. Yeah, so much and fun. It's like you said, it's adult Disneyland. That's what makes Vegas so special. A thousand percent. With all the lights and everything, yep. and all the people and all the crazy characters you oh, need, yeah. and the inappropriate cards you see on the floor at any oh, time yeah. of day or night. I mean. You really can't make it up. It's really like a fantasy land. The craziest thing I ever saw in Vegas was actually my first trip. So I'm in eighth grade. I have <laughs> my little brother. So him and I are buddies on the trip, right? Mm -hmm. While our parents are doing whatever. And we were walking around the strip and we were on our way to dinner. And it was still light outside. We make our way past, you know, some of the, the people who dress up. Uh, they were dressed up as Minnie and Mickey. Minnie and Mickey Mouse. <laughs> yes. So, you know, you see those. They, you know, take a picture, oh, $5, $5, $5 or whatever. Yeah. Right. So we see them. <laughs> and then we walk back after dinner. You know, they're all happy taking pictures yeah. with kids. And we walk back after dinner, masks off, <laughs> fell asleep on each other, pissed themselves just with like an empty liquor bottle laying right by there. I'm like, it's been an hour and a half, if that. Right. And we just saw them taking pictures with kids. Now they just killed a 40 together and they pissed themselves. And their masks are off. So kids are like, <laughs> so you know, confused. kids way younger than me can't even comprehend. They're like, probably like crying. They're like scarred for life. And now oh. they're in juvenile prison, definitely for something because it's scarring. Um, yes, it is. It's very scarring. I tell people all the time, never bring your kids 
to Vegas. There's no. really nothing for them to do. When I see strollers in Vegas, I have an aneurysm. I really get so confused. There's nothing for them to do. No. I understand, yes, there's the M&M world, and you could go to circus. But these circus. are like babies. They don't even remember anything. No, and and you're walking on the strip, and cigarette smoke is just getting thrown in their oh, face. And you can drink on the strip, so there's just drunk people. I'm like, this is... It's nasty. Really? really? It's really nasty. Yeah, we call those people the drunk Mickey and Minnie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you always see them laying on the floor. Yes. <laughs> with their cocktails. Yes. It's just a mess. It totally is a childhood ruiner. Mm -hmm. If you're not used to it, don't go. Literally, no. I, my biggest piece of advice is I've had friends who would say, Ricky, let's go to Vegas for the weekend, but they're not 21. And mm. I always just say, wait till you're 21, yes. then hit me up, come and visit me. Yep. I'm moving back to Vegas next month since I'm graduating. Yeah. So my plan right now is to move back to Vegas. So I'm telling people, look, I'll be at my place. Yeah. Hit me up and we'll go. I'll Huge. drive you. I know the little local, you know, hacks yes. and things. Yep. Like even if it's just a street where you can avoid the strip and go around and get to the hotel quicker, I know Smart. that stuff. So come visit me and we'll make it the real thing. Didn't at one point, uh, was it, I forget, you, I remember you saying this when we worked together, we were interns together at Intercom, I remember you sharing this story, it was either after your freshman year or after your senior year of high school, were, did you have like an internship in Vegas, did, were you like hosting some sort of like show or segment or something like that, what did you yes. do there? Yeah, so I'm a journalism major at the Cronkite School right. at ASU, and so my goal is to kind of be in TV and yep. do television news, particularly lifestyle or entertainment, mm -hmm. so... Um, it was after my freshman year. I went yep. back home for the summer, you know, as most college kids do. Right. And it's kind of funny. I actually thought I had an internship lined up at another TV station. Interesting. Um, I met these, the news director and everything in the, in the December before, uh, that summer. Um, and then I did an interview with them over spring break and it seemed like it would be this done deal. I get back to Vegas that week, they email me and they say, hey, we're no longer taking interns this summer. No way. Oh my God. That's a dagger. Dude, it was like... I, it felt like a door had like closed yeah. in my face. I mean, it was so oh surreal gosh. and I almost had a panic attack because I was thinking I was going to have this great internship lined up. I was going to be able to go to this. Right. Cause you get I'd that in your head and you're up. so excited. You know, this is what I'm going to do. I've been looking yeah. so forward to this mm -hmm. and just to have it shut. Just like, just like that. Out of nowhere. Yeah. Like there was no warning, nothing. Just we're oh no longer gosh. taking interns. So I was like, Oh my God, I got to think of something. Yeah. I need to apply for things. So I'm so thankful for ASU because we get out usually a lot earlier than most schools. Yeah, we, we do. At that time. Um, and so I started looking at other internship opportunities. I saw that the another TV station was taking interns for the summer, and it was actually for their lifestyle show. Cool. Which I thought, perfect. oh, how perfect is that? Yeah. yeah. So I applied, thankfully got it. Oh, it was such a stressful process because I had to wait like three weeks to find out. Oh, jeez. So this whole time, it was literally the whole month of May. Yeah. I was basically depressed. Yeah. <laughs> it's just absolutely awful. Um, so I got the internship and while I was there, I was a production intern. Okay. That was kind of what the nine to five was. You mm -hmm. help with the control room, you greet the guests, you mic them up, basically do everything that they ask you to do. Right. Um, but I had met this incredible guy. Uh, his name was James and he is a reporter for an entertainment show. Cool. And he said, Ricky, you should try and pitch your own segment see if you want to get on air because... That's what you want to do anyway. You don't want yeah. to be doing production for no career. You want to get on air. That's your goal. Right. I was like, okay. So he helped me come up with this whole segment idea. I pitched it to my producer and she was all for it. Wow. And an intern had never done that before. Yeah. Um, so I think that was also what kind of made me stand out a little right. bit was, oh, this kid is actually coming up with an idea. It's like some like, initiative. Exactly. Because it's one thing to say, I want to be on air, but it's another thing to be like, I want to be on air and here's what I want to do. Here's right. the idea. You don't have to do anything. And of you the even work. took some action too. Like, 
Yeah. Boom, I've written this out. Give me some yes. notes on it or let's just roll with it. Like, I, I know how to put this together. I have a vision in my head. Exactly. Let's see what we can do. So it makes it easy on them because you just ex- you just lay it out for them and yeah. then they just kind of put together the execution and everything. Right. Um, so that's what I did. And then I went back the following summer and now I'm uh, interning at a lifestyle show here in Phoenix and I yep. have a segment on that show. And it's just been such a surreal, amazing experience. I'm thankful that these stations, you know, even give me a chance because yeah. they could easily just say, dude, your intern, stay in your lane. Yeah. Don't bother with any of that on-air nonsense, but they let me do what I want and it's a huge blessing. Yeah. Never hurts to ask. Mm-hmm. So you've already kind of alluded to it, but let's kind of talk about what you've been doing. I was doing in my diligent, <laughs> diligent research for this, uh, for this interview, <laughs> um, yeah. I was doing some LinkedIn stalking and, I, and, and I'm looking up. So I see like PBS <laughs> weatherman. So I picture you, it's like 7 a.m. Like it is another sunny and super hot week in Phoenix. Then I see lifestyle reporter. So then by 11, you're just like coming up next, that killer dip recipe you need yes. for that Christmas party you're hosting. Is that like what's going on? So what did you tell us about like what all you're doing right now? Sometimes when I say it out loud, I feel like I'm bragging, but it also doesn't even sound real because yeah. There was at one point this semester, so, okay, let me kind of backtrack a little bit. At the Cronkite School, you have to do a professional program, Mm -hmm. and there's like 14 professional programs. One of them that you can do is you can be a reporter for Arizona PBS, and that's Channel 8 here in Phoenix, Mm -hmm. like legit. Yeah. Um, So you can be a reporter. So that's what I signed up to do. I'm a health reporter. Uh, But then once you get into the program, you start reporting, you have the option to audition for a weather position or an anchor position. Gotcha. Um, I auditioned for both, and then my director pulled me aside and said, hey, like, which one are you leaning more toward? Do you have a preference? And, you know, I was always kind of used to reading off a teleprompter. I was used to that. How is that, by the way? I've never done it. Dude, you need to get, I mean, you already do YouTube right now. Um, You need to get into TV because you have the look, you have the talent, like the experience, like you would be so great. But um, it's kind of weird because you're reading this thing, but as you're reading it, you're actually staring in the camera, Yeah. you know? So it's kind of this weird thing. And Depending at the station you're at, sometimes you control the prompter with your foot. Uh, Other just stations, like the tempo of it, yeah. Exactly. Other stations, there's somebody in the control room mm-hmm. like doing it for you. Yeah. So they're paying attention to how you read and they adjust how fast yeah. you're And I'm sure it go. gets easier for both sides over time. Definitely. Yeah. You have to kind of build a relationship with that person. Exactly. And, and then with the camera too. It's yeah. like a completely different thing. Like yeah. There are times I'll watch myself and I'm like, why am I talking like that? Yeah. You know, you feel the need you have to talk or act yep. a certain way when you're on camera, but... Really, the best way to do it is just to be yourself. Right. Um, so anyway, I decided to say weatherman because I had some experience already reading off a prompter. Okay. Weather is different because there's no prompter. Yeah. You're just talking. Yeah. Um, and especially with weather, you have to know what's going on. You have to know the temperatures. Right. You have to know, you know, if there's rain coming in or, you know, all that stuff. Yes. So... I decided to go to weather because I thought it would be a cool challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's on Channel 8. And then this is my second semester interning for the show called Your Life Arizona. Yeah. And it's on Channel 3 here in Phoenix. Okay. Pitched a segment to them. They liked it. And it's called Ricky on the Road. Yes, I've seen this. Great graphic. Thank Super, you. It's like your cartoon face on the car. Yes. Super it, cool. It's so cool. I'm so thankful the station actually made that for me. Sweet. Which is the nicest thing so ever. So cool. So there was literally one point at the semester where I was on two TV channels in yeah. one day. Wow. There was one point you saw Ricky on the road air on channel three. Yep. This shows on at 10 AM. <laughs> and then at 5 PM, you saw me doing weather on channel eight. I mean, dude, like it's I crazy. Think this, 
I just think to myself, I decided to come to ASU about three years ago. I toured yeah. in December of 2016. Okay. And now I'm graduating December 2019. Dude, if you were to tell that kid that was touring ASU at that yeah. time, in three years, you're going to be graduating. You would have been on three TV stations. Yep. You would have been interning at radio stations doing all the stuff. I would have called your bluff. I would have yeah. said you're crazy. Nice Vegas callback there. Yes, yeah. exactly. I totally that. would have called your bluff. Um, but here I am, and I'm just yeah. very thankful that these the school and these places that I've been able to work for have given the given me these opportunities because it's it's just gotten me to where I am today, and it's very humbling. So, what's Ricky's dream job? That's such a good question. Dream job. I would love to do entertainment news. Yeah, that's really what I've kind of put myself through and I love it so much. I got a taste of some news reporting this semester in Cronkite News and it's an amazing experience, but it's not my true passion. It's mm-hmm. not something I really see myself doing. I don't think I'm Lester Holt. I don't think I'm Anderson <laughs> Cooper, like nothing like that. But to be on air and to do entertainment news is really the goal. So an Entertainment Tonight or an Inside Edition or sometimes I think it'd be fun to be like an Andy Cohen and like uh host a real housewives reunion type yeah. of a show and like settle the tension and like have these women figure out these issues like i don't know i like to just put my personality out there mm-hmm. and i think sometimes you can really get some great opportunities that are thrown your way because of that so and you're in the same boat i mean you yeah. put your personality out there through your podcast and yeah stuff like that so i'm so curious like what is your dream job what are you trying so to do? Ultimately, like I've fallen in love with not only listening to podcasts, but doing a podcast and the, the, the places and the outlets that really, uh, that I'm attracted to are media companies. Like the daily dropout that I've been working with is a media company. Now I want to do something a little bit different and I, I would prefer to be in a place like New York or LA. I just think there's more opportunity there. Obviously it's a bigger market. So places like uh, Barstool Sports and The Ringer, you know, where I can be a part of an awesome podcast network and also have the ability to to create other video content and, you know, d- different segments and, and things like that, you know, that whether they go up as, you know, a Snapchat show or inst- just on an Instagram page or Instagram Live or, you know, there's Facebook shows now. There's things everywhere. And I think the digital media space is so cool you know, you have a website, a podcast network, and you have all these other different social media platforms and those just keep on growing. And then there's new ways to advertise and monetize on them. And then obviously I've started writing like funny, like kind of like satirical articles on LinkedIn and things like that. And, you know, so blogging and writing articles is something that I've really found that I enjoy doing. And I think what I, what I enjoy the most is, uh, is long form interviews like this, mm-hmm. because I look at things on TV sometimes and at, at times uh, like late night shows, I think are pretty good and they can be pretty funny. But, you know, I just look at the interviews and I'm just like, you know, they only have these guys for like six minutes and all the questions, you know, they go over and, you know, some yeah. of the juicier stuff might get thrown out. But I've, but what I've seen from podcasts that I listen to where it's just conversational, it's just long form stuff and they actually have some time to actually take a deep dive with some of these people. Yeah. I've heard like some of the most genuine and authentic interviews from People who are, who are usually guarded and those people are celebrities and athletes and it's way better than, you know, the cookie cutter safe stuff that you get from, you know, a report. And I get it, you know, oh, they're, sure. they're, they're, it's after a game, you can be an emotional or you're talking to a reporter that you don't know that well or maybe don't have that much trust with or maybe from other people, you know, from teammates or people that you played with or worked with or whoever, maybe they're not that trustworthy and you don't get that good of stuff. And I've seen, you know, 99% of the time from the podcast that I've listened to, 
a totally different side to some of these people. There were some people that I've listened to on podcasts that I didn't like before. And then I listened mm-hmm. to them on there. I'm just like, oh, like I'm a fan now. Exactly. And I think that's so powerful. And the ability with podcasting to make it my own and be able to show my personality, because that's what I like. You know, if I was, you know, you know, you're, you know, some stuff that you've done reading off a teleprompter, there's not a ton of personality in that. But right. you, but other things that you've done and where you want to go, you're showing more of your personality. So that's why. I kind of love that space because I feel like no matter what I'm doing, I can be myself and I can like show my personality and, you know, interact um, with people in a way that I think will resonate and relate to people. And I think that's that's ultimately like what I really want to do. But I also think, um, you know, some like crazy jobs out there, like Mm -hmm. I, I think you know, like you talked about hosting like a reality show. We're going to get into reality <laughs> shows. I have a whole thing written oh, down here awesome. about reality shows. Oh, cool. But I think, you know, guys, like I look up to guys like Ryan Seacrest yes. and like Chris Love Harrison. It. Like mm-hmm. those guys are awesome. I think they they have it. Like Ryan Seacrest, he does everything. Oh, like my his radio show. And then I think the the morning show with Kelly is awesome. Yes. Um, so ultimately, like that's, that's what I would want to do. You know, if I could be you know, in, in New York city working for, you know, a place like bar store, even bleach yes. report has some really cool stuff, uh, with, uh, there's this one guy, I don't know if you follow him. He actually went to ASU. He works for bleach report. He has this segment called, I believe it's untold stories. His name is master. Okay. He's, I think he was a uh, Cronkite grad, but he's uh blowing up right now and has like a super popular segment. Like you should follow him on Twitter. He's really, really awesome and really great to follow. But I think just being able to create things like that. And I think about it, you know, it's a lot easier to work your way, you know, it's a lot easier for them to make room for you because mm-hmm. there's unlimited room in the digital media space. If you create something that, you know, they like and that you can do on your own and that'll make them money, you know, with TV, it can be a little bit harder because you only got so much time in the day. Right. You know what I mean? And there's, you know, only certain, you know, ways you can work, work people in. The line can be a little bit, a little bit longer at times. It doesn't mean one's easier than the other. They're just different. Absolutely. So. I love your grind. I love being yes, LinkedIn with you. Yes, have to. Uh, because you post your podcast, you post your daily dropout stuff, you post Got everything. To. And especially in this generation, like with the ability to do everything. I mean, here we are in a room, we have two microphones and we're yeah. making a podcast. Like, yeah. It's so easy nowadays yep. to just put out your own content. You're kind of stupid not to, yeah. especially if you want to go into the industry we're right. trying to go into. So I just applaud it because Thank you. You really, that's what you have to do nowadays if you want to get anywhere is put yourself out there and you never know who could stumble upon LinkedIn. You never know who could just put in a couple keywords and then something of yours pulls up. I mean, you never know. And it's fun. Yeah. You know, I enjoy doing this. That's, that's what I love. And you know, some people have asked me, you know, they, they're doing some things. They're like, how do I grow it? How do I grow it? And you know, I'm getting decent, decent numbers on this, but my focus is putting out a quality product. Cause like you said, you never know who could listen to it. You know, it doesn't matter if I have a thousand listeners, a hundred listeners, if I can just have one listener who is in a place or is looking for someone, like that's what I look at it as. And I look at it as, you know, the biggest thing, the only way you get better is if you throw yourself out there and you get reps and and you do it over and over again and you get better. That's why I like doing this. You become more comfortable. You get better as an interviewer. You, and what I do, I think is so important is anything I do, I go back and watch it. And I've gotten, you have to get comfortable if you want to. to do this going back and watching it, watching and listening to yourself. Because in the moment, there was always a great analogy a football coach used. When you go back and look at the film, it's never as good as you think it's going to be. And it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. I think, and I think there's a lot of truth in that. Like, oh man, I killed that interview. That was great. And then sometimes I'll listen back. I'm like, I kind of fumbled on my words there. You know, 
Uh, there, I was just about to say, you had to watch out for the you knows, and I just drop a you know. Right. Sometimes you don't even realize you're doing it, then I catch myself, and I'm like, oh, there's too many ums in there. You know, I could just get a little bit crisper, get a little bit better with that. So that's one thing you really have to get, and you understand that. you got to get comfortable, as uncomfortable as it is, and especially at first, but you get used to it, and you're way better off for it. You are putting handcuffs on yourself at getting better. Like, you're throwing up a brick wall in front of you. You're putting a huge obstacle in front of yourself. If you aren't going back and listening and watching your work, that's my opinion. I agree. You won't get better until you rewatch and yep. analyze how you did. There was one time I watched my weather and I said, as you can see, six times, six times. Yeah. And it's a minute 30. I mean, it's fast. So it basically made up the bulk of what I was yes. saying. And when you, I didn't even realize it when I'm done, I'm thinking, okay, I just did another weather forecast. It's fine. Yep. But then when I watched it, I was like, oh my God, I yeah. keep saying the same four words over and over and over. Yeah. Um, so it's so important to watch it because it's embarrassing. <coughs> Excuse me. There was even one time my mom watched and she was like, you keep saying as you can see. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. I don't know why I keep saying that. Mm -hmm. So it's really important that you watch because people pick up on it. Mm -hmm. Even if they may not say it, Yeah. people notice. Um, and so you won't notice because they're not telling you anything. Yeah. So it's really on you to watch. I always like to say never be too hard on yourself because I feel like we're always our own worst critics. Yes, 100%. Um, but at the same time, tap yourself on the shoulder. You did a good job, but at the same time, hit the wrist at the same time because you have to know there's ways to improve. There's always ways to improve. And the way that I really got that through my head is because I'm a business major. I've never taken any classes at Cronkite. I wish that's what I would have done coming in, but I've you know made do with doing other things. Um, but the way that I got better and really realized how to, you know, put together a podcast and things like that was, I'm just like, I'm just going to listen and watch people who are really good at it. And, and I've learned so much by just observing. I watch people on TV, even if I don't care what they're talking about, but I know that they're good at what they do. Or maybe I don't even agree with, you know, some of their ideologies or whatever, you know, if you're getting into politics and things like that, but whatever. But if I know that they're good mm -hmm. on TV, I'm like, I'm going to watch the way that they speak. I'm going to, okay, they're doing an interview with this person. I'm going to see what kind of questions they ask, what, you know, what's their cadence, what's, what's their rhythm like, you know, when they're on camera, what's their presence, what's their posture, and then in a podcast, the same way, you know, you listen to it. When I was in high school, I uh, played the trumpet, Mu music cool. guy, was really, really fun, really enjoy it, yeah. but I always loved when maybe we were getting ready for contest and our, our um, director would record us and we'd listen back, or maybe he was working with one section uh, before we, you know, before he moved on to another section or went back to the whole ensemble. And one thing I always loved was closing your eyes and just pushing away all the distractions. And then you can hear like all the moving parts or you can hear what he's talking about. Because if you're just kind of like listening, but you're also kind of like looking through your music or maybe you're checking your phone. Right. And, and, you know, he's just like, I'm like, what is he talking about? Like, how does he hear that? It just sounds... It sounds fine. It sounds the way it's supposed to. But if you clear your head, and I would just remember closing my eyes at time and listening to things, I'm like, oh, yeah, there is no separation there. Or that could be like if something needed to be like staccato or whatever and needed to be like more bouncy or whatever uh, the case may be, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's right. Mm -hmm. You know, when you really focus like that. So that's what I love doing with podcasts. You know, when I'm walking to class, you know, I'll have them in my ear. But sometimes when I really want to focus and listen, because some of the best conversational podcasts like Bill Simmons, Joe Rogan, Sometimes, like, they'll get halfway into an interview. I'm like, whoa, wait, how did they get here? How did they do that? You know what I mean? Because sometimes I have trouble, like, you know, I never want it to be too interviewee. I want it to be more, excuse me, conversational. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes you don't even realize, like, 
whoa, how did they get here? You know, I, I would like to create some of that, some of that magic. So, you know, you really just kind of have to, like, I love, I'll lay right here. We're sitting, you know, right by my bed here. I'll lay there with my headphones in. I'll just lay back like this, like I'm getting ready to take a nap. Yeah. And I, and you really just listen to how they ask the questions and, you know, what kind of questions they ask to get to certain places and how they set certain things up. It's really a work of art. It's, it's beautiful the way that some of these guys do it. And I, and you know, I don't know if, um, you know, like Joe Rogan, he's not, he was like an MMA guy and host and things like that. I don't think he's some like big J journalist, but he, but, (laughs) but it's undeniable that he's really, really good at what he does. And you can still learn a lot from him because I mean, the numbers speak for themselves with how many people listen to his podcast. Definitely. I mean, there's an art to talking. Yes. A lot of people don't realize communicating is such an important skill that some people are just better at than others. But you're really lucky because especially with your daily dropout videos, yeah. you've interviewed and talked to all different types of people. And the situations have helped me so much. <laughs> yeah. Like, I get, you know, I'm dealing, I'm talking to someone and they're drunk and then I get even <laughs> drunker people who, you know, are their brother or boyfriend or whatever, whoever it is coming up and tap me on the shoulder. And then we got drunk people wanting to jump in front of the camera. <laughs> so there has to be, you know, it's the only way that I've learned how to handle that stuff is just having to go through it and get better. And, right. and I've been so lucky. They've been so patient with me and so helpful with me. Um, you know, when I, especially when I was in the office this summer and I would come back with footage, watching it with our editors and the bosses and things like that. I'm like, Hey, can we sit down and, you know, kind of pick this apart a little bit, you know, tell me what you, what you think about this. And just learning that process has helped me so much more too on how I'm like, Oh, this is how, you know, this is how they kind of put together the videos. And once I realized that it was so much easier to, you know, like write the questions, you know, some of the follow-up questions that I wanted for the videos or come up with topics or, you know, understand how to, you know, format it so it makes it easier for them and it just makes an overall uh, better video. It's such a team effort and sometimes you just have to jump into the fire to learn those things. Definitely. I I always say reach out to people, reach out to your network, even if it's just your friends. Yeah. Get their take because there are friends out there who will give it to you. I have some friends who are very honest and they'll say, Ricky, I don't know what you were wearing. I don't know why you're standing like that. You need to hear that. You need to hear it because you really don't see it the way they see it. Um, There's even moments where I'll watch and I'll think it's fine, but then someone will say, your hands are really weird. It's small little things you don't realize. It's like, yeah, why am I holding my hands like that? Or why am I using them so much? Yes, I'm I'm Italian, so I use my hands (laughs) a lot. A lot, but at the same time, it looks a little much on camera. Yeah. It looks awkward. It just doesn't look natural, mm-hmm. and that's really important. So if you have a network or a group of people that can just give you advice that maybe you wouldn't necessarily like think of on your own, oh, it makes such a big difference and will really set you apart. I think absolutely. Sometimes you don't realize, you know, getting to the other side of that wall or you know just getting better. You know, it could be so little. I remember. Uh, playing football in high school and being a quarterback and being in the room with a coach and they showed me one thing and it was just like the sea parted all of a sudden yeah. everything that looked so confusing and so jumbled before it's like it all opened up for me it's like all I understand and, and that can be you know that analogy could be for anything, you, know, anything. You, you get shown one thing and it could really just open up everything for you and make a world of difference because once you learn that and you get, you know, whether it's you get your confidence and you get established for the first time or you get it back after sort of losing it, kind of losing your roots or, you know, whatever it may be, um, that that's uh, that's huge. And you can really ride that momentum and and really see yourself soar, soar and, you know, find your voice and just. 
become better at what whatever you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And you can always reinvent yourself too. Yes. I think a lot of people don't realize that. If this isn't necessarily your calling, yeah. or there's something that you want to improve, but even though you are improving, it doesn't feel natural or doesn't feel right. Like even for me with the news thing, I was starting to do more news stories. And even though I could tell I was getting better, I wasn't necessarily more happy. I didn't feel more fulfilled. So it's okay to realize, Hey, maybe I'm putting too much time into something that really doesn't make me feel very good about myself or doesn't make me feel like I'm getting the most out of what I want to get out of. So it's okay to think to yourself, Hey, maybe I'm improving, but if it doesn't make you happy at the end of the day, then it's okay to take a step back reevaluate what you're doing and then maybe pursue something else. Yeah, that that's, I learned the same thing when I had early on in my sophomore year, I had some business internships, which were great. I worked for the Arizona Cardinals. Nice. It was awesome. So much fun. Got so much cool gear. Love yeah. the, love the, got pe- the merch. Yes. Got the merch, got the swag <laughs> yeah. stuff. We all get, I literally just watched that uh, office episode where you, you've seen the office. I, okay. You're oh right. no. Hey, oh, I here know. we go. Every single time I tell this to somebody, they give me like this biggest death glare. Oh no. No. Okay. I've watched it here and there. My dad's a big fan. Oh, it airs on comedy central a lot. So he'll put yeah. that on when I'm home, but I have not sat down. Please and do. Binge. But okay. How many seasons are there? Like 10? It goes, it, there's nine and it goes by, <laughs> it goes, nine. there's nine. It goes by so fast. It's so good. They're 20 minute episodes. It, it was on TV. So they're, you know, it's in a half hour block. It was on TV. So they're only like 19, 20, 21 minutes a pop. There's it's, it's incredible. And yeah. there's an awesome podcast out right now. I actually recommended it like several weeks ago on this podcast. Um, two of the stars, Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsley, who play Pam and Angela on the show have an office ladies podcast and mm. They were, you know, on set, and I'm fascinated with like actors and the process and production Me of everything. Too. Yes. Totally fascinated. So just hearing their stories, they literally they've had six, five or six podcasts out, and they literally are going through every single episode, and it's like an hour of them just talking about like all the behind the scenes stuff and like all like you know how this worked. And they had some they had this they've had this one guy on call in who was like the head of like the props and things like that. Ah. And and hearing the stories about like what he had to do to like get these uh, boxes for the warehouse and they had to be personalized because someone had to go in there mm. and they have to get in it, they were in a time crunch right and they're on TV so there's you know they're a very strict schedule they have right. to have episodes out and you know they do a bunch of takes so he's got to get like 90 personalized boxes and oh. he had to call like within a week and he had to call like and there's this whole story you know they he called this company in San Diego he's like he goes oh we can get it to you in a month He's like, we have six days. Not going to work. It's a TV show. It's six days, office, NBC, like big network show. Uh, We need them in like six days. And they ended up doing it. But just hearing stories like that is so fascinating. But yeah, watch the show. And then then you can can go at a pace so you can watch it slow. Like, I don't care how fast you watch it. Just please please do it. it. But what you can do is, and I think this will make the experience even better, watch the episode. And then listen to the podcast episode mm. after or just sometime after the show. Yeah. And then you'll learn a bunch of cool things. And I yeah. think that way, boom, this is how you're going to get into it. I think it'll make yeah. it really enjoyable. It'll give you like a really great perspective on it. It's like those episodes you see on TV sometimes like reruns, but the mm-hmm. commentary episodes. Yeah. You know, those people those say, oh, best. at this point, this is when so-and-so did this. Or, yep. oh, I remember feeling this way when we yeah. filmed this. Like, and it, it's like you said, it really gives you so much more insight that you never knew before. And it yeah. makes you appreciate it even more because you realize, oh my gosh, they're human. And yep. they were going through these things that we can all relate to. And yep. It's a really cool process. 
Yeah, I, I was the nerd when I was little. My mom still buys DVDs like crazy. Oh, good so, for her. Yeah, so then, <laughs> I, you know, sometimes I'll sit down and I'll just go on a binge of watching the director's commentary. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I just finished yes. that movie. What am I going to do? I'm like, oh, director's commentary. Yes. Sign me up. Let me tell my assistant to, to book out the next two hours. <laughs> yeah. I have just d- director's commentary. That's just what it says in the spreadsheet. Um but yeah, I, I just, I live for that stuff. And the little things that you, that you learn and, you know, you hear about, you know, what they did for this role or, you know, little like, uh, what do they call them? Uh, Easter eggs, you know, the little things that they yes, hide in there that you I miss. Those. Uh, th- those are the best. Those are the best YouTube videos too. It's just like yes. 12 minutes. It's like 108 Easter eggs in Deadpool. And you're like, oh, this is it's awesome. Like, wait, what? Yes. Or it's like, um. Sometimes you'll see the YouTube videos that'll say like top ten things you missed in yeah. Frozen or in whatever yes. it is, and then you realize, oh my gosh, those are little things. It's the best. It's the craziest thing. I have a question for you though. Yeah. So for me, I go to the Cronkite School, you know. Yep. So I'm surrounded by journalists, reporters, yes. you know, radio shows, like whatever. But you're at the business school, yeah. and I would say you're doing something that's not as traditional as like most business school kids do. You no, know, d- d- outside of school, like in the professional like internship yeah. jobs field. Definitely not. Like, I haven't met any other business students that want to go into what I go to. Right. Like, or although, do what you do. Yes, exactly. Right. So, I'm curious, like, do you ever get discouraged? Like, for me, like, at the Cronkite School, I'm surrounded by people who are basically doing the exact same thing. So, yeah. it doesn't feel like I'm out of place or anything. But especially since you're doing it kind of all on your own, do you yeah. ever think, oh, is this worth it? Am I just, you know, doing these podcasts and then I'm uploading it and it's like, do you ever think to yourself, what is it for? Like... I ha- I'm curious. Yeah, I have thought that way before. And, you know, it, it, and like anything you go through, you go through highs and lows. And, you know, the biggest thing for me right now is, you know, I'll be much more comfortable, you know, when I hopefully find a job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that just takes a lot of work. And, you know, with what we want to do, there's not a ton of positions and positions open, they close and things kind of go crazy. So right now what I've been doing is, you know, just I, I have somehow made good contacts you know, with people that are in the field with what I want to do. And yeah. just the the feedback that I've gotten from them listening to my stuff um, helps. And then, you know, you just try to reach out to other people and just, you know, you want to come out from, from an informational approach. And luckily, I've had some people, you know, on Twitter, I just DM them like, you know, hey, I'm a, you know, I, you. I, I really follow, you know, your stuff. I see that you work here or maybe we know someone mutual or maybe there someone's I've known a couple guys at Barstool that I've been talking to actually are ASU alum, mm-hmm. which is huge. So that's like a nice little like icebreaker or whatever. Definitely. And you know, that's um, and you know, it goes back and forth because they're busy and they get other DMS and you know, cause they're oh, sure. like, like they're per- like they're bloggers and personalities. Like they have a ton of followers and they probably get tons of DMS All the time. and just cause they're open doesn't mean they're going to see it or they're going to reply. And, and then also you know, it, you have, kind of have to fight, you know, that them working at Barstool and they probably get stuff all the time. Like Barstool's like that. Mm-hmm. Like it's viewed, like people there are really talented, but it, it's really kind of the common man for the common man. Right. And so they get a, probably a bunch of people like, yo, dude, like, you know, I have this podcast <laughs> and my voice memos and we say the, we like fart and say the F word a lot. Like it's just me yes. and my buddies like hanging out in our frat house. Like have a listen, we, tell we, us what you think. Yeah. Like we think uh, I'd be really sick for the podcast network and like just, so I'm like, I'm sure they get a ton of crap like oh. that. So sometimes, you know, I get, you know, if they can be like a little like turned off by it, like a eh, media student, like, you know, we'll, we'll see. But some, you know, some of the people have been really great, but yeah, sometimes you get, discouraged because you know you get rolling and you feel good and then sometimes you let those voices mm-hmm. creep into your head a little bit and, and and it can be tough it's just like 
you know, even if what's crazy is even if you're really good, even if you're good enough, even if maybe you're better than some people that get jobs or have jobs, um, you know, it just comes down to knowing someone or someone hearing your stuff. Like, you know, you could have the greatest thing out there or you could be one of the greatest actors or actresses ever, but in the audition room and you can, and that's the toughest thing. You can be great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially, you know, it's a little different with act. Like I've read like some acting books and listened and listened to some podcasts and things like that. What's so tough for them is when they go in audition, they can be killer. But if someone else is good enough for what they're looking for and maybe they fit more of the look or maybe they're a better age or they just look a little bit better, you know, for, for what they're going for. Maybe it's just a better fit, even though you might be more talented. Sometimes you lose out on stuff. And I imagine that this happens in this industry too. All the time. Yeah. So that's, um, that's what is discouraging knowing there are some things out there, but I try not to listen to too much anymore because I think, you know, I always tell myself there's no risk in going after a dream. Yes. And, and some of the biggest things and some of the people who have had tremendous success in these type of industries have been really naive. Mm. And sometimes you need some of that, some of that, you know, like boyish, you know, kind of like young, don't know any better. Right. And, you know, it ends up being an aggressive, you know, maybe risky move throwing yourself out there like you being an intern, you know, pitching your thing. Yeah. Like sometimes you just have to go for it. And, you know, the, you're never going to get anywhere, I feel, in any industry. You know, if you're thinking like, oh, I know how that works, you know, that just that just won't work. You know, I shouldn't do that. I can't be a bother. You know, I just kind of got to put my head down and do my work and wait my time. And sometimes, and you, you just can't do that. Mm-hmm. Can't do that. And, um, so yeah, that's, um, good for you, dude. So, so, so obviously like we always, everyone goes through their up and downs, for sure. especially when you're looking for a job, you know, it's, I, I'm not in panic mode. Like I still have time mm-hmm. and I'm not procrastinating. It's not like I haven't been doing stuff, right. but, um, but yeah, it's uh, it can get dis- discouraging, and um, it's definitely scary because what we're going into is uh, it's tough, very cutthroat, very tough, and yeah. Uh, so so yeah. It's, but I think you definitely have a leg up, and especially because you have that good work ethic now at your age, you're still in school. It's yeah, very impressive. Because I know for me, if I wasn't in the journalism school where all these opportunities were just yeah. around, I think it would be kind of hard for me. So many people told me, Ricky, you need to start a YouTube channel. You need to start a YouTube channel. And they're all so right. Yeah. But I just haven't yet. And it's it's definitely something that's been on my mind because you should always be thinking of the next step. And it's tough, I think, at our age because I know when I try and explain that to some people, they think, oh, you should just be having fun at your age. Like You shouldn't no. be so stressed. Like yeah. You should be enjoying life. And I agree with that. I yeah. agree that while we're young, we should be having fun and making the most of it and everything. But my personal viewpoint on it is you should always be thinking of what you can do next. There's always ways to improve. And yeah. that's something that sometimes bites me in the butt because there's moments I'll think I need to be in the moment. I need to yeah. be in the present. I don't know why I'm always stressed or worried or thinking about what's in the next coming week or whatever. I need to just enjoy the moment. So that's definitely something I've tried to teach myself, uh, especially within this past year. But I also think there's something always out there and there's always something that you can do. And even if you don't know what that is yet, just researching around and just kind of playing with different hobbies or just doing something, being proactive, I think you're just kind of setting the next step for what what's to come. 
Um, so I like how you have that amazing work ethic and yeah, you just always you. are doing things on your own because I know for me, I think I would be a little bit discouraged. So yeah. that's so yeah. awesome. Yeah. I love what, seeing your stuff. It's very inspiring for people like me and I know for other people out there and maybe it's somebody just comes across your LinkedIn and they're like, I've always wanted to do a podcast or mm. I've always wanted to try that recipe or I've always wanted to go do that hike. I mean, who knows? Yeah. And then you see, you know, this person, it's like you said, you have one life. And I, I want to say Mariah Carey said this quote. I don't know for sure, though. But uh, if there was some quote that was like, if your dreams don't scare you, they're not worth pursuing. Yeah, I've heard that from many people. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like so many people have like said, like, I heard this quote from this person. From Gandhi. Like, yeah, yeah, I think that's, yeah. We have no <laughs> idea who the patient zero of this quote <laughs> is. Right. But we, but uh yeah, no, I've heard so many people say that, but nevertheless, it's it's a great quote. Yeah, because it's the truth. Because it is. Especially with our industry, like you said, it's so cutthroat. Yeah. There's times where I've thought to myself, Ricky, there's no way you can make it to that level. There's right. no way you could do it. But I also say to myself, but why don't you just try? Yeah. Sure, you're going to go through some tough stuff and people are going to be tough toward you and you're going to be told no more than you'll yeah. be told yes. And there's all those things like that. But at the same time, like... I would much rather say I at least tried and I went for it than say to myself on my deathbed, you never tried. You yeah. Never Regret. You settled. That's my biggest fear. Right. Regret. I don't want to look back and say, I wish I'd done that. I wish I'd done this. And at this point in my life, I can't believe I've made it as far as I have. Yeah. Like, I have no regrets. And I'm so excited that I've been able to do all the things I've been able to do. And part of it is luck. Part of it is that I've just been blessed with the right people. But part of it is also I've put myself out there and yeah. I've worked hard enough to get to that place. Um, so it's definitely a, a lot of things you can't control, but there's definitely a lot of it you can put into to see if something will come out of it. hundred percent. And I think the thing that keeps me going too, and you kind of, this is kind of funny because you mentioned it earlier a little bit when you said, when I was on this campus in December of 2016, and if you would have told me in three years, I'd be doing X, Y, Z, yeah. I would have called your bluff. Mm -hmm. That's what you said. And that's what I think too. Like when I was at um, Entercom and you know, that was a, that was a fun in internship. I, I enjoyed it, but I still wasn't. And you know, I was doing like some YouTube videos on my own, just like trying bachelor. to, yeah, the bachelor <laughs> videos, you know, I was just trying to like keep up with those. And then all of a sudden in October, out of nowhere, I randomly come across the, on social media, the daily dropout thing. And you know, once I got going with that, you know, like, you know, four months into it or whatever, and it goes back to, oh, if you would have told me I would have been doing that, you know, four months ago, I would have said, you know, you're crazy. Like I'm doing nothing right now. Then all of a sudden <laughs> you're in a better spot. And that keeps me going because hopefully we can say, you know, in a year or six months, if you were to be telling me I'm doing like Ricky's doing this and Joseph is doing this, I would have thought you were crazy. So I feel like if you continue to put the hard work in, you continue to believe and you do the right things, you know, eventually you're always going to have that next that next thing, that next thing where you're like, you're crazy, like get out of here. Totally, I mean, it's just, it's crazy to see how fast time flies right. and how one thing goes to the next. It's crazy and it's when you get mind it, Yeah, when you get into it, like you're just like, okay, this is what I do now. And when you get accustomed to it, you forget about the times where you were like, oh my God, what am I gonna do next? Yes. And then once you're doing something, you know, you kinda, you know, I don't wanna say you lose appreciation for it, but that becomes accustomed, like you're like, okay, this is what I do now, this is awesome. And sometimes you, you know, you for, forget about the things and it can really change you overnight. You see it with, you know, people who get roles and things. I always imagine the people like going back to the office, John Krasinski, who's gone on to be this huge movie star, but he was like two weeks. I remember this was on a Conan interview. Maybe he was like two weeks away from he, he like after school, like he told his parents, he goes, I'm going to give myself a year or whatever it was to try out acting. If it doesn't work out, I'll get a regular job. 
And it was like two weeks from that year, then he got the office. Isn't that crazy? And now look at him. He's married to Emily he's Blunt huge. and he's a movie star. And he's huge. And yeah. He, it's so crazy to think, because I agree with what you said about the appreciation thing. Uh, there was one time I was filming a Ricky on the road and I had like the worst headache. Yeah. I was so exhausted. So I just kind of powered through it. And then it took for me to watch it. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that was so much fun. Yeah. And I had the like, best That's what time. I get to do. Yes. And it's like, wait, that aired on TV. Yeah. People at home just watched it while they were making breakfast. I mean, you know what I mean? It's yeah. stuff like that. And you don't realize it. And I always tell people you have to appreciate it. Yeah. Because, oh my gosh, there would have been a moment three years ago where I would say, I, I wish I could be on Channel 3. Yes. I wish I could just be on TV being myself and doing yeah. these fun stuff. Like, you wish. And then you do it. And it's so important to realize you made it. You know, you did this. Check yeah. this off the bucket list. You achieved that dream. Because it's like you said, sometimes you just get caught up on it. And you forget yeah. that. You work so hard to be in this chair right here. You work yep. to get here. So be thankful for that and realize that how lucky you are that you got there because it's so easy to focus on the next thing and to yeah. keep moving forward. But you have to realize, wait, look how far I've made it now. I mean, that's huge in itself. So And it makes you appreciate what you're doing so much more anyway because if you can, take, if you can look at everything in the grander scheme of things... It really makes a big difference. Hundred percent, because people like us and people you know who are motivated and wired like us, we're so go go go. But in this industry and what we do, you have to practice so much patience, and that's like totally against what we want to do. Yeah, and it's just <laughs> and, and honestly, I think like the reason that we want to do this and we do this stuff is like just like sheer survival. Because I think about yeah. being like, especially <clears throat> being in. Um, like in the business classes and no disrespect to that. I've loved my internships. I've loved my classes. They've been great. But like sit, me like picturing myself like sitting in an office no. and having like a normal job drives no, me nuts. Never like the reason them. that I want to do this is like, you know, when people ask me, you know, what was your inspiration? I'm like, man, I still want to have like a regular job. Like I would go crazy. Like I have to be able to like talk and interact with people and like, like just throw myself out there. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't do that if I'm, you know, Working on some like present, yeah, no, can't no, do that. No. Like that's like, that's for some people, but that's like not for us. And I feel like that's why we're just like so go go go, like so like deep into it. We can't sit still. No, that's yeah, really what it comes yeah. down to. We can't sit still. I cannot sit. Uh, there's days at my internship right now where we just have office days. Where oh we're no, film a show. <gasps> oh Joseph, it is the worst. Oh. We sit there. I sit there for five hours and I do paperwork Yikes. and we just catch up on videos we need to come uh -huh. uploading on YouTube and updating the website and it's all very important stuff and they are very important. Yeah. But I'm like, I could not imagine doing this every single yeah, day. No. no matter if the paperwork is like super exciting or whatever, it just yeah. me, the idea of me sitting every mm -hmm. day at a, looking at a computer screen makes me want to die. The only yeah. time I want to sit and look at a computer screen is if I'm editing something, I just went and yep. shot, you yeah. know, that's how I look at it. Or yes. if it's a podcast, I just recorded yes. whatever. 100%. There has to be something where I'm doing <laughs> something and then it partners with that. Cause I can't just sit all day <laughs> and look at a computer. Screen. No, no. I want to ask you this question. Yeah. So I feel like everyone that goes into something like what we're doing, whether it's acting or broadcasting, you know, when they're, when they're younger and they're growing up and, you know, we're super impressionable. Everyone is as oh, a kid, definitely. they see someone on screen, on TV, on stage, whatever it may be. And they're like, wait, and, and then you kind of figure out, you're like, that's a job. Like, I want to do that. I want to try that. I'd love to do that one day. And usually there's like a time, a place, and then there's someone that you see for the first time. Do you remember sort of that moment or that person or whatever it may be where you were like, 
Yeah, that would be that'd be cool. That's what I would like. That's what I would like to do one day. That's such a great question. Thank you. Um, I would say I didn't really have that moment when I was young. I remember okay. when I was young, I didn't, I never really thought about what I wanted to do. I just was kind of your average kid. Like I did football and soccer, and then I switched into theater, and I just kind of did things. Yeah. Um, and as I was doing things, I would think to myself, well, this could be a career. Like when I did football and I was younger, I wanted to be a football star. When, exactly. Uh, when I switched into theater, I wanted to be an actor. Yep. You know, all these things just kind of came and went. And then there was one time I took a journalism class in high school and I interviewed this kid who was in the, the high school play at my school. And he was a friend of mine, and it was the first time he had ever gotten a lead in the show. Wow. Uh, or in a show, I should say. Yeah. Lead in a show. And so I just decided to do, like, a profile story on him for our newspaper. I was like, why not? It could be fun. And so I interviewed him. The interview was super fun, cool. And then I wrote it, and writing it just felt so, like different it, yeah because i had written different articles in the past just about little news things or whatever but this was something different like writing it about this person and writing about how they've worked so hard and how they got this accomplishment and all that stuff but what really hit me is i i, I still remember to this day i went on facebook and all i did is i went on his timeline mm -hmm. and i pasted on there i said hey man here's the article thanks so much for participating it wasn't like this big here's my latest article take yeah. a look like it wasn't anything like yeah. that i literally just went on as well i didn't even it was just a it. way to share it with him yeah it wasn't even on my own feed or yeah. anything like that and dude, all these people were sharing and reading and they were saying, but what was great is it wasn't about me at all. Yeah. No one complimented me. It was all about him. They all complimented his uh, stage presence, how he did in the musical that he worked so hard to right. get to this point. And I just remember, and then he texted me. He was like, dude, I just read this in front of my whole family and I got teary eyed and oh. thank you so much for doing this. And for me, it was that moment where I was like, Oh my god! I could do this for a living. Right. I, I could. This is a job. Uh, like, this is a job yeah. where I get to know people and then I get to share their stories. And for me, that really opened my eyes. And then it even happens today. I did a Ricky on the road about a store called Rolling Rock Boutique, their grand opening in Scottsdale. And uh, oh, this girl, her name is Susie. She's the owner, and she's like one of the most amazing people I've ever met. And. I uploaded it, and then she messaged me, and she said, Ricky, I cried watching this. Thank you so much. You have no wow. idea how much this means to me. And and it's it was one of those moments where I was just doing it for fun. Like, I thought this would be a cool opportunity and a cool thing to go see. And and then when you get stuff like that, yeah, it's like, oh, my gosh, no way. Like, that is so cool. The so. thing that keeps you going is when you do things like that, it's the way that, you know, it's that, like, high that you get, right? You know, when you're when you do a podcast or do a feature, and it's the way that, you know, when other people appreciate it or, you know, they're so they're, they're so happy about it and they're excited about something and you give it some coverage and you give it the, you know, the effort and, and the care and the attention that it deserves, like things like that that you mentioned, mm -hmm. that's um, that's truly inspiring. And, it, and it's, you know, it's definitely a feeling that you want to keep having. That's like the best addiction ever. Yes. Totally unforgettable. And it makes, it gives me the motivation to keep doing it. But to answer your question, I think the one person I would look at on TV and I would say, I want to do that so bad is Ryan Seacrest. He's the man. He's the one. I would see him doing American Idol, and then I would hear him on the radio doing the top 40, the most yeah. popular songs in the country. And then you now you see him doing live with Kelly and R Kelly Ripa, and he just does it all. And yeah. I would just watch it, and I'm like, if he can do it, I can do it. You yeah. know? And I'll like, I'd read his Wikipedia page, and he dropped out of school and just moved to L.A. just to pursue his Oh, dream. yeah, you hear about some of these guys like who... Some of these people who are at the top, you're like, I'm doing infinitely more than anything that they did. The technology's better. Like, yeah, 
the 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 threat of entry, you know, the the point of entry for podcasts and things like that is like nothing. Like you can, you know, do it on a you can do it for, you know, like 10 bucks. You just get yourself a hosting service or you upload it to SoundCloud for free. Like it is super easy to do your own podcast, obviously. But like you just think about it, and it's like some of these people, like you said, he dropped out of school. Who mm-hmm. the heck is he? Well, now he's Ryan yeah. freaking Seacrest. Like <laughs> he is that guy. Yeah, yeah. And you know, that doesn't mean everyone can do it or that it's easy. And just because you're doing more now, you can you can get there, but right. it's certainly possible mm-hmm. it's possible especially where you see where these people started yep they all started from a similar place some maybe may have been more privileged some people may have been in way worse situations but at the end of the day there are people who really get to that point no matter who you are and you all come from the same place and i think that's just the most humbling thing and he is one guy i would watch and i would think that is something i would love to do right because yeah. there is one common denominator people come from so many different walks of life and different situations like you mentioned, but the one common denominator, one common denominator is they all worked really freaking hard. Yes, and, absolutely. And if you can just keep that up, trust the process, somehow find a way to be patient and work your butt off like that and work like a dog, maybe you can get to that point one day too. And that's, uh, that's another thing that, you know, has to keep you going. Has to keep you going. I listened to an interview with Billie Eilish, like on iHeartRadio not too long ago. And somebody, I think the guy asked her like, what's it been like? Like overnight you became this yeah. big sensation. You have these big hits. And, and she was like, you know, it's true that the success kind of happened pretty quickly, but I've been doing this. Right. I've been working ever since she, I think she was, she's 17 right now. Right. I think she said she's been doing this ever since she was like 11 or 12 or whatever. And she's been singing for a long time. She's put out music for a long time, but it's just now getting the recognition that she's always right. wanted. Um, but it's not like it just happens. It's right. not like an internet meme that just no. kind of picks up. overnight she had been working and it just then took off and i think that's something that you have to realize is you see these people who just kind of make it out of nowhere but it's not just that one thing that got them to that point like right it's like it's little things like do you know how much work that has to go into a song right production the people you have to work with the studio the everything like yeah it costs a ton of money it it's a lot of work it's a lot of hours sleepless nights to get one thing out, to get a finished product. And most times it doesn't go anywhere. Right. Um, so it, it takes, like we, we were talking about with you, like it takes that self-drive and determination to keep going. Um, and I love people like Lizzo. Lizzo's in her 30s. She's been doing this forever and she finally made yeah. it. You know what I mean? It's stuff like that where you can keep going. And they'll say all the time, I was on the brink of giving up. I was that close to just throwing in the towel and not doing it anymore. But I gave it one last shot. One last shot. And sometimes it really is that one last shot that makes it. So you never know. I love that we're talking about this because I yeah. think, especially, I think we're Gen Z, I believe. I don't yeah. Millennial Gen yeah, Z. Yeah, we're not millennials. Like I know that. Or something. Yeah. We I, have millennial tendencies, but that's not yeah. our, <laughs> but that's not our uh, official label, I guess. Right. And I think a lot of times people like to look down on us. And yeah. since we're not the typical, I guess, blue collar or yeah. we kind of do things a little bit differently just based on the way we were raised right. and resources and everything. I like talking to people like you and other people who are so driven and so like-minded because I I argue that we're probably the most driven generation ever. Yeah. I think our generation um, has been inspired by a lot of people and we were raised with the accessibility to see things at our fingertips and yeah. in a second. And I think with all of that, um, re- with all those resources available, we're just able to 
make our imagination run wild and we are able to pursue these things that maybe were never possible in the past but here we are so exactly it's really exciting i think we just have to keep finding that stigma and i think people our age are just going to be the new trendsetters are going to be the new icons the new leaders the new yes. ceos yep. all that stuff and it makes me really excited the new personalities on television new personalities that's that would right be the goal yeah some of these people are getting old yeah and, and unfortunately some wrinkles unfortunately <laughs> the technology to make these people keep looking young just keeps getting better i know that's might have to thing. might have to break a couple of doctors kneecaps oh, yeah seriously. like hey I'm knock thinking, this off. It's my turn. Seriously, I'm thinking of getting Botox now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm, I already have my doctor picked out. <laughs> yeah, moving to Beverly Hills. Yes. In a couple minutes. Uh, we're not too. We're in the Beverly Hills of southwestern United States oh, here in Scottsdale. 100%. Scottsdale. Yeah, we'll just so head nice. up north on Scottsdale Road. Once yes. we get past all the strip clubs, we are <laughs> we are home. We the are bougie in restaurants. Yes, we are in the uh, the uh, fountain me. of youth. Catch me under the knife. I'm ready to go. That's right. <laughs> are you uh, are you binging any good shows right now? Binging any good shows or watching any good shows? What do you What do you watch? It's so funny because I'm a, I'm going into TV. And you don't TV. watch TV, dude. I don't watch TV. I don't watch movies. What? I, I know. It, wow. <laughs> I should have known after you said you've never seen the. I've seen, never seen that. Dude, yeah. I've never seen Star Wars. Okay, I'm not a big Star Wars guy. Okay, either. cool. I've never seen Harry Potter. Yeah, I I've seen. Never read the books. Wasn't smart enough for that. Um, um, yeah, you have to have a level of intelligence. That's right. My reading about. level was not there yet. Um, <laughs> that's like at a college reading level, and I've kind of dipped since yeah, coming into college. Worse. It's gotten worse. Actually, we do less reading in college, believe it or not. So <laughs> yeah, I'm still not. I'm that's te- true. I'm actually legally not allowed. When I go to the library to check it out, they're like, no. You can't check no, out. Oh, I'm joking. Dude, I, I don't okay. believe you for a second. It is. It's like, how are you not allowed I'm to very, check out a book? I can be very believable. <laughs> yeah. and then it's my, Dude, you sold me. I'm also very yes. gullible in so oh, many ways. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You yeah. haven't been around me. It's been too long since you've been around me. You have forgotten <laughs> not to take me seriously. It's been. It's Dude, it's been like a year. It because probably our internship been, ended a year about ago. About like this time. That's so In crazy. December. What yeah, are it's we probably, doing? Wow. That's don't know. That's crazy, dude. Yeah. When was the last... Okay, what's the like the last thing that you watched? Last TV show. I actually did binge this one show recently. It's called Are You the One? It was on yeah. MTV. Funny... Okay, funny story about that. Yeah. Two years ago, when I was 19, a casting director from Are You the One actually DM'd me on Instagram. No. But I had to be 21. Oh. I was 19 at the time. Dude. I need to reach back out. You should Because I ended up... Because after she... I'm like, I've never heard of this, but it sounds like... Or well, she explained it. You know, Are You the One? It's like... Like a dating show. Yeah, I'm like, okay, it's kind of like the, like, frattier bachelor of, like, MTV. It kinda, is. Yeah. It's very, like, yeah, the frattier version of, like, yeah. the bachelor. Kind of like a more party, like, less formal. Because the bachelor's are still, so. Kind of formal. They yeah, have to wear their suits. Right. And, they have their, like, yeah. formal cocktail Go on parties. Their dates. Yes. Yeah, no. Are you the one has a lot of that, but it's way more laid back? Like, yep. so it's, have you ever seen Big Brother? Or at least no, heard of Big Brother? No, I've heard of Big Brother, yes. So, for those who don't know, Big Brother is this reality competition show. Yep. And basically, these uh, these people move into this house for the summer. It's like over three months. It's a long time. Wow. And they compete in competitions for power. They vote people out of the house. Okay. Um, they could win really amazing vacations. And sometimes showmances show up or two people start to like each other and they could date in the house and all that stuff. Um, Are You the One is basically that same process, but it's more emphasized on dating. It's not emphasized really on like... Uh, winning for power it's yeah. not emphasized on like 
that it's more like you were there to meet your partner. Yep. Um, but they were living in this mansion in Hawaii. I don't know how long they were there, but wow. they were like living their best lives. And yeah. they probably have, not long enough is how long oh, they were there. I know. Seriously. <laughs> I don't think it was long enough in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but they would also do competitions, but if you want a competition, you get to go on this great date with someone. So cool. you could go on like a helicopter ride or yeah. you could go, uh, like, I don't even know, like, you could get uh, what's it called snorkeling. That's the there word. There is snorkeling. You can go snorkeling, yeah. and you can I'm do. I'm trying to think things. of like Hawaii things. I know something I'm like, in what the are water. Some beach terms. Yes, something <laughs> yeah. in the water. Something in the water. Swimming scuba with the diving sharks. Scuba diving. One. Yeah. You know all that good stuff. So things like that you can do, but they're all dates. And what was crazy about this last season? What made me want to watch is we interviewed two people who were on the show at my internship over the cool. summer, and they were talking about it. I never heard of it before, and I was like, oh, that sounds kind of interesting. So they changed the show. It used to be all about like straight couples uh-huh. but over this last season was about bisexuals okay and it what well, i i hate to like use that term i guess but it, it was just people who are queer or okay. they're just like not straight or they don't confine themselves to one label they're okay. just kind of open gotcha sexually fluid gotcha and it was so fascinating really because they had um, a person who was transgender on the show uh-huh. you saw them putting in like their uh, their hormones and like, interesting it, it, like that's a whole new because there's no I don't think there's any there's it hasn't been a, a show like that right with those elements on television at least not to, not to my knowledge no. no I was in the same boat so right. for me watching it I didn't realize that's what they had to do and seeing the way that they all interacted with each other because there's moments where a girl and a guy would be mingling, but then that same girl could go interact with the girl. Right. And it was so, it just opened my mind to the different possibilities out there. Right. And it made me so excited that we're living in a culture now where we're starting to just accept these non-traditional ways of interacting with people and you could just put yourself out there and it's not looked down upon. And yeah. I thought it was just really cool. And the show itself was interesting because you got some great personalities, of oh, course. Oh, of like, course. You need great personalities to drive the show. And some fights were intense. And Love people it. were getting into it. And then, yeah, there would be a moment where there's one couple, but then the guy would go cheat and sleep with somebody else. And it was like, oh, oh. Wow. like It was crazy. The drama was great. So oh my that was a show I binged. That's probably the last show I mm-hmm. actually binged binge like yeah. I watched that show. So you're big it sounds like you're big reality TV. Uh right? yeah. If you so. wanna if you want me to get hooked on any TV show it has to be reality. The okay. last like actual scripted show I think I watched okay. was you on Netflix and dude, I think Very it was good. Like January of yeah. this year. That yeah that's been a while cool. ago. I've yeah, been I've been waiting for season two of that I show. I can't wait and I used to be a big 13 Reasons Why fan, but I still haven't even finished season three. You yeah. know, I just, I get, I don't know. I'm not good with TV. I get bored. I, yeah. I, I forget I'm watching the show. Sometimes like, that happens, especially with streaming when it's, when you can binge it and it's all there for you. Yes. Appointment television, like that's why I think sports will always just be huge because it's appointment television. No one's going to watch, you can't watch sports before it happens. It has, no. has to happen. Yeah. And people, and because of Twitter and, you know, you, yes. it, it is, would be so hard for you to go, not even 24 hours, but just like any amount of time without seeing a score or an update, like mm-hmm. after a game has happened, like if let's say, you know, you DVR it and you're going to go home and watch it because you have this one thing or you're traveling and you're going to miss it. It's like impossible, impossible not to hear the score. Then it just like ruins it. Like yeah. it, it really does. You have like, that's our last, like the last show that I think was appointment television. That's going to be like a big appointment television was game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. And but now that that's done, all we have left is like sports. And sports. That, that's interesting. And the Bachelor. 
I Re- feel like okay, that's yeah, reality show. shows. Yeah, the, and reality. Yes. Because yes. I think that's the same. Bachelor's in the same boat. The spoilers would be out. Yeah, I whenever hate it. I somebody stay would pick somebody. I love live tweeting it, and I love looking yeah. at in a people's feed. But out here where we are, mm-hmm. while I do love the time zone because I think it's the best time zone to watch sports. It totally. Because is. you get the stuff on early, and then nothing is ever on too late. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. But. Because of where we are, especially when like the Bachelorette and Bachelor in Paradise is on, and we're three hours, we're like on Pacific time, like That's on L- on LA time, yeah. we, like so if it comes on at eight Eastern, it's not like it comes on at five out here. We still have to wait till wait like till seven, eight. yes, so, or, or like six right. or seven or whatever exactly. it is. Yes. But so it's technically not um, not live. We're not getting it. You know, there's people seeing it before us, mm-hmm. and a ton of the people I follow like live. In Ohio, <laughs> or they work in New York, you know, or what, yeah. you know, whether they're just my friends or like personalities that I follow. And I'm like, I can't be on Twitter. I can't live tweet it because I have to go through my feed and I'm seeing stuff that I'm still like, I'm still like an hour behind. Exactly. That's so tough. And that's what I hate because I love being like right up there with it and being yes, a part of it. Being one it, of the first people to watch it. Yeah. yeah. I love that too. Mm, and I hate, tough. I hate when shows like that. I mean, it's, I'm so happy that. There is still forms of appointment television. Yes. Like you're talking about where people sit down and they watch the show and I love and that. And it's like an event and people live tweet. Yeah. Between it's now that it's like sports and then shows like The Bachelor and then that's it. That's it. Social that's media it. is amazing. I love it as a tool and I think it's a great way to stay in touch with people. But there's a lot of things that it's just completely changed the game for so many industries. Big time. And it's, uh, and it's really like with this binge model and all these streaming services, like a lot of these shows have weren't as big in the moment as they are now like the office because of social media and people going back and watching it like there's kids like so much younger than us you know that Mm -hmm. you know still probably don't fully understand like all the jokes and references and things like that yeah but people of all ages love the office and like when i was listening to this podcast of the two office ladies they're talking about like we have kids that are coming up to us that are like 10 years old that are like they're like, we have friends. Like, <laughs> yeah. my kids have friends, and their kids aren't that old coming yeah. up to them, and they're, they're like, oh my gosh, we watch your mom in the office, and they're like 10? Yeah. I'm like, what? That's crazy. Like, me. that's insane. Well, I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but like, it might have been a couple years ago now that Steve Carell said, we can't, we wouldn't be able to do the office anymore. Oh, definitely it not. it would be too inappropriate. Yeah. So it's interesting to see like these kids are coming up and saying, oh, we love the show. Yeah. And I wonder if it's maybe because they're just too young and they don't yeah. understand maybe like the climate we're living in right now yeah. or anything. But I found that so interesting. Like, yeah. Stars nowadays I just we can't do stuff. I, like I don't think in, with that show, I don't think he's saying that as, I don't think he's, you know, regrets anything that they no. did really. Oh, no, because no. everything that I look back on, like jokes are meant to push the line. Yes. And I think, you know, like, you know, being politically correct in some forms and in some things is terrific. Of but I think when it comes to comedy, like, and you know, things like that, like you have the choice to turn on the office or you have the choice to go see a comedian or listen to a comedian. Right. I think they shouldn't have to worry about what they say. And people, you know, that say horrible things, they're just not going to sell tickets and they're eventually going to fade away. Absolutely. I think, I think it, that's kind of how it should work out. That's kind of the way, you know, life goes, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about has-beens, things like that. Like, you know, th- those things work themselves out. Let them right. hang on, you know, let them be a drifter for a while. Eventually, they're going to work their way out and they're going to have to figure something else out. Absolutely. You know, so it's just like, oh, no, we can't have anything. But really, you know, some people know how to do it and they're funny. Yeah. And then there's some people who are not funny and it's just like way too much. You know, guess what? You know, if they suck, you know, people are going to find that out and then eventually they're going to stop selling tickets and no one's going to book them 
and things will work They'll out naturally. Yeah, yes. people shouldn't be getting, you know, canceled because they're a comedian and then all of a sudden they're not like there's a fine line with it and some people are I'm just like like dude or ma'am or you know whoever you are like just right. just like calm down like dude you're totally like you're going minds. out of your way like I hate when people go on Twitter and you know you know, Daniel Tosh said this. I'm like, you've never listened to yeah, Daniel Tosh like, you in your Daniel life. Tosh is. But I read a headline from a blogger, and then you go, and then you realize like the blogger is just like some horrible person. Like, and you know, there's so many like exactly. non-reputable people because accessibility. Anyone can start a blog. Anyone have anyone can have a podcast. And people can say it's saturated, but I don't think these things will ever be saturated because you know, the stuff that people actually listen to, you know, I don't think you know, the people are so good at it, you know, that, that still is rare. I don't think it'll be saturated. The people, like, the stuff that you actually want to listen to. Right. Just because there's, like, 700,000 podcasts on Apple Podcasts doesn't mean there's 700,000, you know, podcasts that you should take the time to listen to. Exactly. Yeah, so that's, like, another thing, too. So it's, um, yeah, social media is a monster. There's a lot of good to it, but there's also a lot of bad to it. And I think, you know, some people just need to leave some people alone. Some people need yes. to stop going on Twitter with the intentions of just causing a ruckus for no reason about something they didn't care about when they went to bed the night before. Right. It's I'm so over the cancel culture. Well, I do agree there are people out there who say some dumb things. Definitely. Hundred percent. Uh, I just hate it when a hashtag somebody is over party. You know all that yeah. stuff. I'm, I'm like, okay, like can yeah. we just like move on? Like, yeah. I just think people get caught up a little bit too yeah. much. But I know what you mean. Like, yeah. Especially now that we're living in an era where people are being called out for the things that they do wrong. I love that. Yeah. You have to hold people accountable. Oh, for but sure. At the same time, we're all human. We all make mistakes. Hundred percent. You know? So it's interesting. It's a very interesting time we're living in, that's for sure. Any Christmas plans? Christmas plans moving home. I'm going to be an adult. Okay, so what's going forward? You graduate in like no time. Yeah, two weeks from today of the recording. Yes. Yeah. So when, um, what are you going to be doing? Do you have anything lined up? What is going on? What's in the future for Ricky here? There's some crazy things that have been happening. Yep. Uh, I actually have had, I had a couple really important interviews today. Uh, for the job I want. I'm not going to say anything yet because I get sometimes paranoid about that stuff. Yep. Like, no, I, I get talk it. about it too much, yep. it won't happen. Um, I'm the same way. But the I've had a lot of job interviews lately because Good. especially in the news path, I've been applying to jobs kind of all over. Um, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about. I've realized what I'm more passionate about because... I started applying for some, you know, traditional reporter jobs, news jobs, and small towns, and it took me a while, but I really, I finally realized that's not what I want to do, that it's not my passion, and I know if I end up moving to a small town with, I hate to say it, but like really small pay, and I'm in a town where I know I won't be very happy, I'll be really bored, and I'll be reporting and things and covering things that I'm not passionate about, like, sure, I'm getting my screen time, but I'm not somebody who's all about the on-air anyway, like, a lot of people say, oh my gosh, Ricky, your personality, you're so fit for on-camera, and I appreciate that, and I love being on-camera, but at the end of the day, it's, I don't need that, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm, at my core, like, I'm in my gym shorts and my t-shirt, like, that's who I am at the end of the day, um, so... For me, it just didn't, it wasn't calling my name. It wasn't, it wasn't, at least at this point in time, at least, it wasn't calling me. But then people I knew, my network started reaching out to me and then some opportunities started to come up. So um, I've kind of been the works with a couple of those things right now. Nothing is solidified. So follow me on social media at Ricky Cornish um, to see if something comes out fairly soon. Um, 
but yeah, so things are happening. Good. Uh, uh, but I can't say anything quite yet because nothing is official. So exciting. We'll but it's very exciting. Good. It sounds like a stressful process when you're seeing other people do it or when you hear other people talk about it. Yeah. But the way I look at it, it's kind of like you're applying for college all over again. Yeah. You know, it's like, where am I going to spend the next few years of my life? Where am I going to grow? Where can I potentially start over? Yep. Um, who are the people I'm going to meet? I mean, the people I talk to now on the daily are people I didn't even know three years ago. Right. You know, so your life changes so much and all of that is just so exciting to me. Um, so we'll see. I, I'm very excited. It's so crazy. It's, it's surreal. This whole year has been surreal for me because I turned 21. I'm graduating college. My whole family, my parents celebrated 25 years of marriage. Wow. My brother... Milestone year. It's a milestone year. My brother turned 18 and graduated high school. Exciting. And that's all in this year alone. And so we've all had our individual accomplishments and now we're going into a new decade. And sometimes it's weird to me to think, you know, in 2010, I think I was in fifth grade, fifth or sixth grade. Like, dude, I was like 11 or 12 years old. Yeah. And now here I am, 21. And at the end of the next decade, I'll be in my 30s. Unreal. It's absolutely unreal. And I know I'm talking about the future, but (laughs) I mean, it's hard to not think about it sometimes. And I might, who knows where I'll be in my career? Will I be married? Will I have kids? Like, where will my parents be? Will they be around? I mean, you don't know. No, you don't. You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Absolutely not. And that's the exciting thing about life in general. So that's why I enjoyed the job search and applying because... It's all those things we just talked about and you never know what could happen and what door could open and just all the, it's the unknown. It's like Elsa said in Frozen (laughs) 2, going into the unknown, you know, you don't know what's going to happen and it's very exciting. It can stress you out, but it's exciting overall for me at least. Well, great. This this was really fun, Ricky. Thanks Thank so, you. Of course. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, man. And, and uh, best of luck and off to come visit you um, when you're a... Uh, uh, when you're home in Vegas. Yeah, dude, whenever you want. I seriously am so proud of you and seeing Thank everything you. you do. And it's so funny because like we didn't even, I think, work any shifts together. No, I don't think we did. No. We would see each other at the, at the weekly oh, meetings. Our Wednesday night meetings. Every, every yes. Wednesday. Um, but, uh, dude, I love everything you're doing. Thank I'm you. I'm so proud of you. If you ever need help with anything, seriously, reach out. I'm more than happy to offer Thank more resources you. or anything. But. It's cool. It's a small world. It is. the me- Especially the media world. For so sure. I have a feeling our paths will cross at some point because that's just kind of how the world works. So Absolutely. Yeah, best of luck to you, man. Thanks, Ricky. You as well. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed. If you did, Apple, Spotify, or YouTube, wherever you may be listening, please rate five stars, leave a friendly review, subscribe, and turn those notifications on so you never miss an episode. Interviews. Like this one coming your way every single Monday and the weekend 12 pack with Uncle Micah, your home for degenerate gambler advice from non-degenerate gamblers coming your way every single Friday. Once again, thank you to Ricky Cornish for coming on and speaking with me, sitting down with me and hanging out. Really, really enjoyed that. Good luck to Ricky, as I've already said so many times. So excited to see what he does. Thank you again so much for listening and I will talk to you on Friday.